I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bucky's Fifth Podcast. You're probably wondering why you're hearing a different voice than the usual combo of Jake and Owen, and that's because this is, in fact, a different voice. My name is Tyler Hunt. I've been a writer with Bucky's Fifth Quarter for a little over a year now, and now I'm uh, getting the opportunity to take over the podcasting game. Uh, Jake is obviously at his uh, new place over at uh, Rivals.com with the Badger Blitz podcast and obviously still a great source for uh, Wisconsin news. Um, And Owen, who's also been on the podcast and kind of helped start this thing up as well, uh, accepted a job coaching at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. And if you've ever read any of his stuff on the site, you know he's great with X's and O's, um, so he'll be a great addition to their staff. Um, So excited to get this opportunity to to take over the podcast, and uh, obviously this is something I've wanted to do uh, since I became a writer, so I'm very excited to uh, get started with this. And uh, thankfully for you guys, we won't have to listen to just me talk for an hour. I will have a co-host. His name is Matt Bells. You probably read some of his stuff on the website already. Um, He's one of our newer writers here, but he's done an amazing job uh, since he's taken over some of that stuff. I think he went to every fall practice this year, except for maybe one, and he's been a great addition to the team. So we're going to grab this thing by the horns and and try and give you guys the best podcast possible. Um, Thank you for listening, and on Wisconsin. So now I am joined with Matt, um, the co-host here, um, a new writer. I guess, how long have you been with the website now, writing? A little while longer than I think, right? Yeah, I think I started in, like, June. So mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. jumped in here and kind of dove in with everybody. So, But yeah. I'm getting my feet wet. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've read some of Matt's stuff. Uh, he was covering practice. Did you, I think you went to pretty much every every open practice that you could, right? Yeah, there was eight open practices, and I was able to go to seven. I think okay. I had a conflict on one of the days, but it sounds like I picked the right one to miss based on uh, what Jake Okrowski said, that it was pretty light that day. Perfect, perfect. All right, well, you know, we didn't want to talk too much pregame uh, or preseason stuff because obviously you guys have been reading that stuff for a long time, but we did have to go over some of that stuff, and I think the biggest news um, that came out last week was the Wisconsin depth chart. and. You know, looking over it, there's there's a lot of faces and names that we expected, but was there any any names or, or you know, too deep at the position that surprised you at all, Matt? Uh, not really. Based on practices, if you were following the practice reports, I mean, this is kind of what everybody in the media has been pointing towards, that it would be Cone, and then um, I guess it was kind of interesting to see that both Mertz and Wolf were listed together mm-hmm. at the quarterback position. Um, and that Cephas was thrown right into the two deep. I was yeah. 
I was kind of surprised by that. Were you surprised by that? A little bit. I mean, I know. I, I guess I don't really know how much he's been doing, you know, outside of of this whole thing. I was, obviously we know that you know he's he was eager to get back, but I had no idea if he was you know game ready or anything like that. So um, I was a little surprised to see it. Um, I, I I think that's probably a welcome sign. That means he's you know closer to you know being in playing shape than we expected. But yeah, that was kind of the one that I was going to touch on too was him there. But uh, other than that, you know, I didn't see a whole lot. I mean, you know, just like similar, like you said, to the quarterback position, I don't think, you know, anyone from us at the site were, were surprised by that. I know some fans were probably surprised. But, yeah, I was more surprised with the uh, backup of Mertz and Wolf. And, you know, if you don't have to list one or the other, I don't see why you wouldn't list both, right? No, and I think they both will play. And from the sounds of it, I think Cephas will even play this week. Um you know, I know that it was people thought maybe that it would take a few games, but I think they're going to fire him in there right away and use his talents because he does bring a lot to the offense. Uh, another guy was Jack Eschenbach. He had a really mm-hmm. good fall camp, and he's pretty small uh, at 224, but he can really move and stretch a defense. So yeah, I think yeah, he's a guy yeah. who, who could definitely help, and he is growing as a blocker. Yeah, yep. Yep, that position's a little thin as uh as we go into the season. Obviously we got some, you know, Newville back in, in that way, but you know, that's he's gonna there's gonna be some young faces that probably have to play at that position for sure. So um the the next thing that I wanted to ask you about and you know, kinda of see get your thoughts on because you were at the practices was um on the offensive side of the ball, is there any one particular player that we should expect maybe a surprise or a breakout season from? Um, I think John Chanel is a guy who brings a lot. He uh, he can really run when he's given the ball. I mean, he ran for an absurd amount of yards at Grantsburg, and he's. I think he's going to jump right into that Alec Ingold role of being able to be a battering ram when you need one or two yards along the goal line or for a first down. And he's also shown the ability to catch the ball in the backfield. He's 250-some-odd pounds, so he can really uh, throw his weight around when he's blocking. And I think – Although the fullback position is largely overlooked by most schools, I think it has a pretty big role in Wisconsin's offense. And with a wider tight end room, he can really uh, help bolster the run game, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, not not a lot of schools are still running with a fullback, but, I mean, it's kind of a staple for Wisconsin. Um, you know, we, we they've had one for as long as I can remember, and they use it probably more than most teams do, so... Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good pick. I like that name. Um, for me, on the offensive side of the ball, I, I don't really know um, of anyone I expect to break out. I think a lot of the faces on that offense are faces that we're all pretty familiar with. Um, you know, obviously, Taylor's you know a stud. I think Cohen will be a lot better than, than people expect. I think he's had a lot of time to you know, get better, mature. He looks a lot bigger um, from the practice that I you know, went to with you. Um, and then the receivers, you know, they're all familiar faces. So, um, you know, there's certainly guys that will have to take bigger roles, but I'm not I'm not so sure on anyone who's going to, you know, make a big splash that way. So um, going to the other side of the ball, um, what do you what do you think about the defenses? Who's going to who's going to kind of fill in and, and take over um, with a lot more new faces on that side of the ball? Yeah, and I think I think the defense is where we can see a lot of names kind of pop out. You know, I think we probably are going to have even different names even without even planning. I know Isaiah Grimay is a guy that they've been raving about. He's had a really good fall camp. He can cause some chaos in the backfield. It seemed like every pass rushing drill, he was getting by 
tackles and guards alike. He can really move and use that that uh, frame he has of six six to bat down passes. Um, I think he's going to be a guy who could really burst out. Uh, who do you, who else do you think? You know, I I like that pick. Um, you know, when we were you know just when you see Green May, you see the size of him, and you see how you know how lethal he could probably be as a pass rusher. And I guess the the one question I had with him was maybe how he's going to develop in you know in the passing game if if he's got to drop back in coverage. But you know that practice that we were at, um, I think Zach Bond was asked about that and asked about his development in that role, and he said he had gotten a lot better from from last year into this year. So. Um, anytime you know a senior you know leader on that defense is saying that he's improved, I, then it makes me not really worry about it. Um, my you know my pick, who I, I hope is going to break out, um, is is somebody in the secondary, um, whether it be Harrell or or Hicks at corner. Um, one of those two, I think, is going to have to have a, a big year. Um, not so much maybe in you know making you know interceptions, but. You need, you know, you need need a guy that can then clamp some big receivers down because you know we get uh, the teams like Ohio State who've got some good corner or good wide receivers, um, and then we've got Michigan early, and you know they've got guys like Peoples Jones and, and Nico Collins who are going to be tests for that secondary early. So I think of that group, you know, one of them definitely needs to take a big jump from freshman to sophomore year. I think both of them are capable. I mean, I think they're both tremendously talented both uh, as the starters and at the two deep so yeah no I think that I think that's a good call and I think both of them are definitely capable of making a big jump the other guy in the secondary is Reggie Pearson he mm-hmm. uh he seems to have really matured and Scott Nelson loves playing next to him he said and Jim Leonard had nothing but great things to say about Pearson. He had, obviously, that interception that uh, UW put up that we weren't able to see when the media was there. But beyond that, he can really lay the lumber in run support, and he's fast. Like, he definitely, like, in just talking with him and interviewing him and talking with him, you know, he's chiseled. The guy can Mm -hmm. definitely looks like he's not afraid to stick his nose in there and uh, deliver a blow. Yeah, yeah, and he's, you know, he's at one position, you know, with Nelson and him, um, and I thought Eric Burrell at the practice I attended looked really well. I think that was the day he had two interceptions, so I think they're pretty strong um, at that spot, and uh, that was the other surprise, I guess, a little bit was Pearson um, ahead of him. I think that was pretty much expected, but, you know, to to see it, you know, I think he'll be a big, big role for us uh, coming up this season, so. Yeah, and I, I... I think the biggest player to come back though is Garrett Rand, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. He is he's so good in, against run support, and he can he because he's only six two, he can get under offensive linemen and just bully them. So oh, I think yeah. he's a he's a big uh, guy to have back. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I think that the the, the defensive side of the ball, will, they'll all kind of you know benefit from having each other. Um, you know, because obviously last year they struggled to get pressure. Um, on that side of the ball, and uh, I think that I think that hurt some of the development of the secondary because they kind of seemed like they were left in in coverage for too long at times. And so the health of Rand and, and Loudermilk and the development of you know Williams at the nose tackle position is definitely going to be huge. And you know I know I th- I think there's a lot more worry from from fans about the defense, but you know I think that I think they're going to be really strong this year compared to what we saw last year. So totally agree with you. Yeah. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. Well, that's kind of the preseason stuff that we wanted to touch on. I don't think, you know, you guys have been reading... Uh, time and time again about, you know, what we think uh, of this guy or this position and this preview. So we didn't want to get too much into that because, you know, you know, if you read if you read our site, you're probably already pretty well versed in it. Um, I was going to ask you um, maybe about some national storylines in college football if we have a little time here. Um, is there anything that you're most excited to see play out, whether it be in the college football um, season as a whole or, or just with the Badgers of the Big Ten? Um. I'll touch on the Badgers in a bit, but sure. I think uh, for me, I love the fall, but I'm really excited by possibly the volatility over at USC. They have a, obviously a very talented roster, mm-hmm. but it seems like Helton, everybody's kind of expecting that he's going to be gone at some point this year. And then there's other people who are saying that they could be a playoff team. So it's the, mm-hmm. it, it could swing either way, and I think that's going to be one to watch. Uh, another one is Auburn and LSU. Uh, they they both have tremendously hard schedules, but they also have that talent, and it's kind of seeing if they can make things interesting with Georgia and Alabama in the SEC. Oh, yeah, I, I would agree with each of those. You know, USC has, uh, you know, yeah, I've read everything from, you know, they're going to be a playoff team to Helton's going to get fired before week five and, and all sorts of different stuff. So I totally agree. I think they, uh, they could take a jump. Um, you know, when I was reading up and, and doing some Pac-12 previews that I do over on my personal site, I don't remember where I picked them, um, but I could certainly see them taking a jump up to the next level. Um, I think I actually have them as locked in as one of my bets for week one. So I like that. I like that pick a lot. And then, yeah, like you said, the, the SEC will be you know interesting with those two whether anybody can contend with Georgia and Alabama. Um, obviously, Georgia and Alabama are incredibly strong teams overall. You know, they're 1 through 22 in the starting spots is pretty strong. Um, what I wanted to talk about, you know, and my, my storyline that I was most interested in is kind of on the same premise as, any, is you know, who can fill into um, those, those probable last two playoff spots. You know, I, I think it's all but pretty much sealed that Alabama and Clemson you know, until we see differently, are going to be in there. And, you know, a lot of people have pegged Georgia into that three spot if they can get there, you know, with one loss. So who's going to, you know, if, you, if it comes to that, you know, you've got the, the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the Big 10 all competing for one spot. And, you know, I think each team has, you know, or I should say each conference, you know, has a team that can get there, um, whether it be in the Pac-12 with Oregon and, or Utah. I'm really high on the Ducks. Um or whether it be in Oklahoma or Texas. So that could be something interesting, and, you know, to see how the playoff committee shakes that out um, is kind of my main storyline that I was looking for. So um, going off that, do you have anyone that you really like as maybe a Heisman player? I know I didn't put that in the pregame st- or the pre-talk uh, notes, but I was going to get your thoughts on that. So I think, I think Tua is obviously going to be one of the guys, and obviously Trevor Lawrence. But I think Sam Ellinger is a guy who really could put up the silly stats that you need, uh, both in the passing and run game, to 
mm-hmm. to win the Heisman nowadays. It seems like it's always going to somebody who uh, can do both, can run, can also pass, and is on a good team. Now, Texas, we'll find out a lot about in that first game. But I think if if he has a strong season and Texas is, quote-unquote, back, uh, they, mm-hmm. he could be a guy who could throw his hat in the ring as well. What are oh, you thinking? Yeah, for sure. You know, I think I think there's a lot of dark horses that you could certainly um, make a case for. Uh, obviously, as a Wisconsin guy, we want to make a case for Jonathan Taylor, but I was looking at it uh, a couple of days ago, and I think, like, uh, 18 of the last 19 have gone to a quarterback. So, you know, I hate to say it, but it's kind of a quarterback award. Um, and obviously, Tua and Lawrence are, are the top two. Um, but I mentioned I'm high on the Ducks. I really do think Justin Herbert could get into that conversation. Um, I, I just really like what he has. I think they have the best offensive line in the country. Um, and if I, I was reading a stat last week um, that I think he had 50 drop balls by his receivers last year. So if he can get some guys that you know catch the ball, they routine, I think they return three of their top four. They just have to, you know, haul those in, I think he could put up some monster numbers too. But it's definitely a, a team like Texas and Sam Ellinger or uh, Oregon and, and Herbert, you know, those dark horse guys for sure. So, Yeah, what about the Big Ten? Uh, any storylines that you're interested in? I think I'm most interested in, um, you know, obviously, we, you know, you, we've, we've touched on it on the website, the depth of the West, um, but I think the East is a little bit closer than people think. Um, obviously, Michigan is the highest rated up there with Ohio State. I think they might be five and six. Uh, Ohio State might be ahead of them. Um, but there's a lot of questions coming into this year than, the, you know, than there were last year. Obviously, Urban Meyer last year, you're always going to pick Ohio State when he's there, but how can Ryan Day take over um, at that school and how will they adjust is going to be interesting. And, you know, for Michigan, um, I think it's can they can they get over that hump that is Ohio State. They've certainly got the pieces this year, but they had the pieces last year and they lost a lot of, off that defense. And uh, then, of course, you've got the dark horses in the east of, of Michigan State and Penn State. I don't know if Penn State's there. Um, I really like Michigan State's defense. Um, you know, they, and they return a lot of guys. So um, that's kind of what I'm most interested in in the Big Ten. But what about you? Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement. I think Michigan State's a team to look out for. They, you know, I I still think that Wisconsin will have a great chance of taking them down in Camp Randall. But man, oh man, that defense is just nasty. They have mm-hmm. they have returned most of their starters, and then. If Brian Lewerke can get back to who he was two years ago, that mm-hmm. having a really good quarterback and a really good defense can go a long ways. And, oh, yeah. You know, their run game took a big step back last year, but they have the, the talent, and it seems like they're always a, a team poised to, to knock one of those big two off. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of if they could knock them both off. Yeah, and, definitely, uh, definitely. You know, I think they definitely have a shot. Penn State, I think, is – a year away, they have so much young talent. Yep. Most of their guys are like sophomores. I mean, yep. if, if you wait till next year when they're juniors, look out. Yep, yep. I would agree with that completely. I mean, obviously they don't have the McSorley um, and Miles Sanders combo, and I think that's going to be a lot to try and replace against. You know, I, I think the other three are much more experienced and, and just too talented. Um, you know, they'll probably pull off some games and keep some of those close, and maybe they pull a couple of them out. Um, but I, I would agree that I think they're – 
a couple years, and not a couple years, but a, but a year away. And you know, next year Penn State I think will be a popular pick for a lot of people uh, in the Big Ten. Switching gears a little bit, what do you like? Obviously, we talk the West. We love the Big Ten West. It's the best division in college football. I might be a little biased. <laughs> um, but what do you like about the Big Ten West? I don't remember um, if you were in the roundtable or not. I didn't see who you picked, um, so I'd be interested to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I picked Wisconsin and Nebraska to tie, mm-hmm. and I think it'll come down to who wins in Lincoln between the two of them. I think both teams uh, – have great things about them. I think, obviously, Wisconsin has Jonathan Taylor and Nebraska has Adrian Martinez. Outside of Rondell Moore, those are probably the top two um, offensive players in in the conference on the west side. Um, and I think that those two can really take you a long way. I think Wisconsin's getting slept on. And I think Nebraska, while they're getting a lot of hype, their schedule is pretty easy when you look at who they get crossover-wise outside of Ohio State and how many teams they get at home. They Mm -hmm. really get lucky in terms of that. I mean, granted, they had a brutal schedule last year, which Mm -hmm. kind of Mm -hmm. led to that that bad year. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised to see the two of them duking it out for the top spot. I would have thought that Northwestern would have had a better shot, but I'm, I'm not so sure when I see that they have an or at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just was released, and, you know, I think it's TJ Green and um, and then Hunter Johnson are both mm-hmm. probably going to see time. And if you have two quarterbacks, that's not usually a great recipe. You know, obviously Wisconsin did it a few years ago with uh, Houston and Hornibrook, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I think everybody would say you're better off if you really got a clear-cut guy, so I'm not sure about them after I saw that. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. You know, I, I think I had Wisconsin 1-2 and Northwestern 3, but, you know, there, there's certainly some question marks, and like you said, if, if you have two quarterbacks, do you really have one? Um, you know, Hunter Johnson was obviously a high recruit, you know, went to Clemson. He was a five-star guy, um, and he's back at Northwestern, but who knows if he's the same guy that, that Clemson was after, and there may have been a reason why he didn't find the field at Clemson. Um, so it's just kind of up in the air with them. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I think the I think the game of the West is going to be that uh, that game when Wisconsin travels to Nebraska. I think that's going to be um, where it comes down to. Obviously, there's a lot of talent in the West. I think it's the closest that there's ever been, um, or at least in recent years. Um, but I would agree with you. I, I, I picked Wisconsin to come out on top. I may have been a little biased, but I just I don't I think Nebraska is getting a lot of hype that uh, might not shake out. I think they're really young up the middle still, and I think they've got some question marks on the line and uh, uh, at the tailback position. Obviously, Martinez is a star, and he he plays a lot older than he actually is. But uh, I I think the Badgers are getting yeah, like you said, a little slept on, and uh, if they can pull that one out uh, in Lincoln, um, I think they're going to be back in Indianapolis facing off with with one of those three teams. so Yeah, and I, I would I would throw in Iowa as well and Minnesota. I think Minnesota, you know, they're coming along. You know, they obviously took it to Wisconsin last year, uh, but that was for a lot of various reasons. But in all honesty, Iowa, if it wasn't for their schedule, where they have to play most of their toughest games in the West mm-hmm. on the road, I mean, they would be one of my choices as well. As, yeah. you know, I could totally yeah. see it just being a slugfest. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think Iowa's, you know, pretty much every tough game is on the road. I know they're at Wisconsin, at Nebraska, and at at uh, Iowa State um, early in the season. So they have a brutal schedule, and obviously they lose uh, the, the tight end pair of Fant and, and Hawkinson, and then I think the Malik Hooker is gone from their defense. So they have to replace a lot, and they've got a tough schedule to do it. Um, so do you like – do you like Purdue or Minnesota more? That was one question I, I didn't touch on, but I was going to ask you about that. What do you think? Uh, I actually like Minnesota more. I think mm-hmm. Purdue is is really missing some guys on the defense. They really don't have the depth that you would need. I think they have a few guys here or there that can really make an impact on the defense, but they don't have the depth that you need over a season long. And I think they're going to wear down. They struggled against the run last year, and I don't see that changing Mm -hmm. a year later they seem to be stockpiling some offensive talent but I mean I don't think they have enough in the cupboard on defense whereas I think Minnesota granted they lost their quarterback for an indefinite amount of time I do think that they have the defense though to to hang and they have uh some talented running backs that can get them through um, some of the easier games that they need to for sure, for sure. Yep, I would agree. I think, you know, Purdue, you know, obviously they have, you know, probably one of the top players in the league in Rondale Moore, but he's not going to be able to surprise, you know, the teams like he did last year. Um, he bust onto the scene that opening game against Northwestern and never looked back. But this year, you know, everybody's going to be looking out for him, and I don't know if they have, like you said, the defense, which really struggled, um, and then I don't know if they have enough playmakers outside of him on offense. Um, to, to be a contender. I think they're due for another 6-6 uh, six and six year uh, in, in kind of a struggle and maybe battling for bowl eligible if they uh, if things get a little dicey. I know they've got some weird um, early season uh, non-conference games, too. I think they play at Nevada to start and then uh, Vanderbilt and uh, somebody else. I can't remember who the third one is, but they're not, they're not you know, non-conference games that you could put right in the bank like uh, – like the Badgers have with, you know, a Kent State or a Central Michigan. So, Yeah, and I, I also think that Elijah Sindelar, you know, mm-hmm. he was the guy supposed to be last year, and he completely fell apart, and David Blau came in and played great. But it's hard for me to just say, oh, yeah, he's going to come in and have a great year this year after he struggled so badly in that first game that they had last year throwing – multiple interceptions right right all right so i think we're both on record we've got uh you've got wisconsin out of the west and who are you picking out of the east let's make our official big 10 predictions that way Uh, i'm going to stick with ohio state Uh, they're still at the top for me they have the highest quote-unquote blue chip ratio where they just bring in four and five stars more than anybody else uh in the conference i think that talent is there and you just i think a year of development will really help that defense, which was young last season. They have the athletes. They have Dobbins. You know, I think if Justin Fields can come in and be the playmaker that they expect, they're they're going to be a team that's going to be pushing for a playoff spot. Yep, yep, I would agree. I, I took Ohio State uh, with Wisconsin as well. Um, yeah, it's kind of one of those, and until I see it happen, uh, I'm not going to bank on it um, with one of the other teams. Uh I think, you know, they're, they're like you said, extremely talented. If Fields is the guy that they think, I don't think they'll miss a beat. Um, I, I think the only the only concern for me with them is if 
if Fields were to get injured um, or go down, they do not have a lot behind him at the quarterback position. I don't even remember which grad transfer or transfer they landed. Um, I think it was a FCS or a Power Five guy or a Group of Five guy that they yep. ended up getting as their uh, number two. So if some, you know, he's a, he's kind of a runner. If he goes down, I think this thing uh, could get really interesting. But obviously, we're not hoping for that. We're hoping yeah. that he is uh, tremendously talented and. Uh, squares off with Wisconsin uh, in Indianapolis. But uh, that's kind of our preseason stuff. We talked about our uh, what we thought of the Badgers camp and then our la- landscape, but uh, now it's time to get into some uh, South Florida stuff. Um, at South Florida to open, uh, the Badgers have their first uh, true road game. I was looking the other day, first true road game since 2010 um, when Wisconsin went to UNLV. So uh, kind of a different start to the season and different uh, environment than what they're used to. Obviously, they played those tough neutral site games with Alabama and LSU, but this is a true road game, and so it's a it's a nice little early season test. So, yeah, and I think they're a team that should be better this year than they were last year. You know, last year they went seven and six, which after the two years before that they won, I think it was eleven games and ten games. So they're definitely a team that usually can pull a lot of Sunshine State talent and use that to help them win games. Um, but I think Kerwin Bell coming in as their offensive coordinator, he won national title at or uh, got to them to the national title at Valdosta State, and he was also head coach at Jacksonville State. So he brings talent or uh, brings experience, I should say, um, with him. And I think that offense should be better, which was a real struggle for uh, the Bulls last season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, South Florida was was the definition of uh, you know an up and down team. You know, starting out seven and zero. Um, and then losing six in a row. So you can see the highest of the highs, um, the lowest of the lows. One thing I did find interesting with South Florida in that up-and-down season, um, the six or seven teams that they beat were all uh, non-bowl teams, and the six teams that they lost to um, were all bowl teams. So it's kind of a hit or miss. Uh, Are you just beating bad teams, or are you going to be competitive? And they do bring back a lot. I think they're – it looks like number – I've got the Phil Steele – you know, college football Bible here, and it looks like they're 30th in the experience chart. So they bring a lot of guys back. It's just nine offensive um, and six defensive. So it, now it's more so a willing with, winning with the talent um, that you had last year. Um, so they, they'll, they'll certainly be an interesting opponent. Um, anything, any, you know, player or anything else particularly stand out to you, the, you know, first looking at South Florida that way? I think uh, their defensive line, their DNs are both uh, seniors and both can get after the quarterback. Greg Reeves and Kirk Livingstone are both guys who had multiple sacks last year. Reeves actually played at linebacker. Uh, They play a 4-3, but he ended up popping back to linebacker, and now he's back to DN. Um, But it's their middle linebacker, Nico Sautel, I want to say. I mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that pronunciation, but he's a guy who was supposed to be their best linebacker going into last year, but then he got hurt, and it sounds like he's actually going to miss the game Friday possibly due to an injury as well, so that's a, a big blow to that defense. I know they have some depth at middle linebacker, and I kind of touched on that in my column that I wrote for tomorrow on uh, the how you do in this season um, so, but that's a team that has some good stuff up up front on the defense, but they're also dealing with some injuries. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, their defense, um, you know, over that six-game losing streak that they had a year ago, 
Um, I think their average points allowed was was 39 points per game, and you know the I think they've got some guys that'll be better up front. Um, but you know, like I said, the uh, the run defense was was a little bit of a question mark for them. Um, looked like I was looking at the total rush defense stats uh, this morning, and they were 121st in rushing defense. You know, one spot um, behind Illinois. So if you're behind Illinois in anything, you're probably <laughs> not great. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not a spot you want to be. Um, so it'll be interesting to see you know how the Badgers attack that. But yeah, I think they've got some guys on defense um, that can certainly make that jump. And then on defense, they've got their two, uh, or I should say on offense, they've got their two main weapons in uh, in Jordan Cronkite and uh, in Blake Barnett at quarterback. And both of those guys had pretty good seasons a year ago, um, but it's just going to be a matter of you know them you know, getting back to the consistent play that they had the early part of, of last season. So anything on the South Florida offense that jumps out to you? Uh, they had a freshman last year, Randall St. Felix, who had a really good freshman campaign. He got over 600 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that they're really high on him. So he's he's uh, kind of built like Quintus Cephas, you know, six foot two, two eleven. So he's a bigger body guy who can present matchup problems. So I think it'll be interesting to see. I would assume that they'll probably put uh, Hicks on him because on the other side, their wide receiver is like six three, which is more of a who Harrell would be going against the, at, mm-hmm. at six foot two. So, I mean, I think their matchup with the bigger bodies they have on the outside is also going to be interesting. But it was interesting. Their slot receiver is five foot five. That is itty bitty. Wow. So <laughs> I'm guessing he's got some some uh, some speed in that fast. department. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would think so. I would think so. Yeah, I mean, they they certainly look like they have some offensive pieces. If I I think if you take Cronkite away and make you know make Blake Barnett throw the ball is where you're going to probably have success. Um, I, I was looking at his numbers. He he threw for 12 touchdowns last year, but 11 interceptions. So um, if you can if you can make them a little bit more one dimensional um, and and make Barnett try to throw to those guys, you might have some mistakes fall into your lap. Um, but you know that kind of comes with pressure that way. Um, so, is there any is there any main key that you see what the Badgers need to do um, in order to escape South Florida with a W? Yeah, I mean, uh, Paul Chris said it in his press conference that you know first games or the opening games are usually more about you. You know that it's you if you show up and you play your game and you work on uh, the things that you have been working on that usually things will go great. And I think that I'm interested to see kind of how the Badgers come out. There were times last season that it didn't feel like they had the energy that they used to have, you know, where you'd have a guy screaming and yelling on the defense and really getting after it. And I think uh, that has been something that's really jumped out to me in fall camp is just the how much more vocal uh, the defense is with Chris Orr and Scott Nelson both yelling, Rashad Wild Goose. I think – uh, playing with energy, and I think uh, Quintez Cephas being there, um, just his uh, emotional jolt that he could bring to the the team after kind of that cloud covered them last year will go a long way. So just basically seeing, hey, are they back to having fun and going after it um, compared to a season ago? Oh, yeah, I would totally agree. I, I think the, the whole Cephas thing last year um, weighed on a lot of those guys a lot more than uh, than it did than, than we initially thought. I, I think it was a bigger thing, especially internally when you lose a guy, you know, that's a friend to you um, or a roommate or a classmate. 
Um, when you lose that guy off your team, you know, and you, you know, it sounds like from everything Paul Chris said that he was an emotional, you know, kind of a rubber band who, who tied some different players together um, and brought the team together. To have him back on the sidelines will be huge. And but then I agree, you know, I I think it's kind of nice that Wisconsin is opening on the road. Um, it's a little different than uh, what they're used to, but that might not be a bad thing because we've seen in, in the home openers uh, the past few years, you know, against those cupcake teams like Utah State. Um, and I can't even remember who uh, the other one was a couple years ago, but uh, Western Kentucky, that is who it is. Yep. Um, sure. Those teams, you know, they never, they, they, they didn't start um, like with their hair on fire. You know what I mean? Uh, yep. It was kind of lackadaisical, you know, we're going to get out to a lead, we're going to put this game away, and let's move on to the next week. When you're open in, in South Florida, um, in, a, in a pro stadium, in Raymond James Stadium, um, you don't have that same comfort. So hopefully that fires them up a little bit. And, you know, obviously the preseason expectations last year, I think, got to them a little bit. Um, I don't know about any certain person or a certain player, but I think everybody saw themselves coming in as, you know, a top 10 team and thinking, well, Man, this is our year. We don't, you know, and now now they come in, you know, having to prove some things that they didn't think they had to last year. So, yeah. Any uh, any specific uh, positions that you're really going to watch for uh, in that game? I know we didn't cover it going into it. But. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm interested um, on the offensive side of the ball. We, you know, obviously there's, it's going to be hot. It's going to be humid. Um, we've we've got the depth at uh, receiver, and especially with Cephas back, he's he's certainly going to help in that. I've I've always kind of been interested in who's going to get the bulk of the number two carries behind Jonathan Taylor because he's going to be he's going to be tired, uh, it's going to be hot, he's going to be uh, worn down, and they're going to key on him. Um, so I, I'm interested to see who gets a bulk of that uh, number two carries. Obviously on the depth chart it's Groshek, but he kind of has a different role um, than than Taylor. So who's going to get the bulk of of the carries behind JT is one thing I've, I'm certainly going to be looking for. So. What about you? Yeah, yeah, and I think Watson will also get his fair share mm-hmm. of carries. I think those are your top three. Um, sticking on the offense, I think uh, fans will really like the new wrinkles that uh, the team has put out there. At least what we've seen in practice. I don't want to sure. give away too much, just to, but um, they've they've got some different formations, different uh, wrinkles that they've put in place that I think will help make the offense more dynamic. Uh, especially if they can get things clicking um, on the offensive line, then make the holes for JT and Groshek. I think there's no um, telling what uh, Cone might be able to do compared to a season ago. And so I think just the new wrinkles and kind of how they can use that to get Cone comfortable and help him make uh, the plays that this offense is desperately needed from the passing game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, like you said, we don't want to give away anything, but we, I, I think at the practices you saw and what I saw, it's, there's definitely some more creativity to the offense, and I think that was desperately needed. You know, I just, you know, I, I constantly said last year that the offense just felt stale. Um, it didn't feel like a Paul Chris, you know, creative offense with the jet sweep and, you know, the, the motions and, and the uh, different things that way. So I think this year fans are going to be pleasantly surprised at, at some new looks. Um, I know we love to, you know, run the ball behind the guards and the tackles for three yards in a cloud of dust, but there's going to be some different things that you'll see. Um, so I, I'm excited to see that as well. So anything in particular stand out to you? Uh, not really anything special teams that I can think of. The special teams look pretty much the same to what I was expecting. 
Um, so other than that, I think that's pretty much kind of all we're looking for as we head to South Florida. So, yeah, what do you what do you think that game's gonna end up like score wise? I think I saw it was it. You probably know this more than me, but wasn't it like thirteen and a half for the line or something? Yeah, like that? yep. The line is is right now is thirteen and a half. Um, I think the over under was fifty eight. The last I looked, um, yeah, it's in that fifty seven fifty eight range. Yep. Yep. Um, going into it, I, I I think I wrote my betting preview. Yeah, I wrote it already, and that'll be out. Uh, it may be out by the time this podcast gets released already. Um, but I think I took uh, Wisconsin to cover the spread at thirteen and a half. Um, I just think you know South Florida's defense is really going to get wore down by the run, um, and I, I think uh, Taylor's going to get a heavy dose, and you know they're going to key on him. But I, he's He's been keyed on for the last two seasons, and he's still had pretty good years. So um, I think I picked the Badgers to cover. Um, Score-wise, I would expect probably a 35 to, to you know 17 to 20-ish game in favor of the Badgers. Um, so that puts you right close to the, the 56, 57, 58 mark. Um, if I was playing on, on either side, I'd take the over, but uh, I'm more confident in the, uh, in the Badgers covering the 13-and-a-half, so... Yeah, and I'm I'm in the same ballpark with you. I, I'm thinking Wisconsin wins 35-24. Um, you know, obviously that means USF just covers by the mm-hmm. by a couple points. But at the same time, I think if you can go in to Tampa in their biggest game at the, of the beginning of the season and get a double digit win, I think Paul Chris will be walking home happy. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, go in there and get. Uh, take care of business, a heavy dose of JT, and get out of there with a win um, no matter the score, and then you get to come home and uh, prepare for a, a Central Michigan team that was uh, putridly bad last year, and I think that one should be a, an easy one, and then you've got to buy before a, a big one in Michigan. So if they can escape South Florida with a win and with their health, it'll be a, it'll be a job well done. So are you, last I checked, are you going down to the game? I feel like we talked about this. Yeah, I will be going down. Uh, I think we're going down Thursday and should be coming back Sunday. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I'll probably tweet out some pictures and whatnot of things going on down there, but I will be there. Nice, nice. That'll be a, that'll be a cool experience for sure. Um, I don't think I have ever went to a – Badger Road game. Now that I'm thinking about it, so you picked a good one, a nice warm one to go to down in South Florida. So yeah, a little little quick vacation, a little weekend vacation. Nice, nice. Um, but if you're looking for an away game to go to, I'm telling you, go to go to Iowa. That's a good one. That's that's what I was. I you know I live unfortunately for uh, Badger fans. They won't like to hear this, but I actually do live across the border in Iowa, just barely in Dubuque. Um, so I'm I'm deep. Not deep into Hawkeye country, but you know it's it's all around me, and unfortunately, it's uh, Iowa and uh, Chicago Cubs all around me everywhere. Yeah, uh, I, but I've been meaning to go down there. So yeah, that's 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 probably the most fun one that I've been to, uh, and I've been to my fair share in the Big Ten. But that one's it's it's a very cool uh, place to be. Oh yep yep. Now that I remember, I did go to Michigan. A couple of years ago, when they had that uh, barn burner nine to six game where uh, <laughs> n- nobody could score, that was my first uh, Wisconsin away game other than the Big Ten championship. So I'm, I've been looking at the schedule, trying to figure out which one I want to go to, and, and maybe poach some tickets. But I'm trying to decide whether I want to head to maybe Lincoln or um, 
Yeah, I originally thought about Ohio State, but I don't really want to drive that far and uh, or play for a plane ticket uh, to go to Columbus. Uh, so, all right, uh, where can they find you on Twitter, man? Twitter, I am uh, at Tyler L Hunt. Um, I, uh, if you guys don't know me, um, if you haven't read some of my stuff. I mostly write about football. Um, I also write about some gambling stuff as I'm um, a self-proclaimed degenerate. Um, I have some <laughs> – I, I write some Badger betting stuff, and then I have uh, a personal um, website that I do called the uh, Take 5, which I can link uh, some people up with if they're looking for gambling picks. Feel free to uh, slide in my DMs. Uh, had a good year last year at 62%, so I'm hoping that uh, 2019 brings the same success. Um, that last year did. And uh, what about you? Where are you at, Matt? Uh, I'm at Saved by the Bells, B-E-L-Z. Um, little homage to the show, Saved by the Bell, <laughs> being a 90s kid. Um, and then also, obviously, you can read both of our stuff at Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And uh, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. You know, uh, Owen restarted it with uh, five-star reviews only, so we're going to keep that going. Exactly, exactly. We're I think we're both new to this whole podcast game, but we're going to grab it by the horns and hopefully make it the, the best show we can. Um, and if you guys, obviously, you know, we're going to hopefully come up with some new and fresh ideas so we're not doing the same thing each week. But uh, we're certainly, I think, uh, both excited to get this going. So, Yeah, for sure. And uh, if any fans have anything that you're like, hey, I'd really love for you guys to try to put this in, uh, feel free to shoot us a message on Twitter and uh, – we can make it happen. Yes, absolutely. We we want well engaged with fans, so um, you know, I think it'll be a, it'll be a fun year. And uh, you know, I'm excited to get going on the podcast, and obviously happy that you know I've got a, a co-host. I, I would hate for everybody to have to listen to myself talk uh, for an hour by myself. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, hopefully this time next week uh, we'll be uh, talking about the uh, Badgers one and zero. So. Sounds great. All righty. Thanks, Matt. And, uh, yeah, as Matt said, rate, review, and subscribe. And uh, we'll see you guys next week.
Thank you.